We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it. It's Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I should say. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen, and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And Chris, we got news to talk about on June 23rd, the day we're recording this. We had uh, some scheduling issues last week, so we only did one podcast last week. Missed a ton of stuff. Like usually, Usually if we miss a a podcast in the middle of June, it's like, whatever, we can go three weeks without doing a pod and, and, and we're not going to miss much, but we missed quite a bit and, and we're going to go over that today. But before we do that, I heard that you have a wonderful beating the heat story and we need to get to it. Beating the heat story. Yeah. So, uh, Hmm. I don't know if it's a story well, I have a or new... a situation. Did I did I bring this up last week on the pod or no? Well, no, you texted me and then we had our oh. mix up and you never got so to tell So I don't it, have so... air conditioning 
Yeah, so I don't have air conditioning. My room is notoriously hot. I forgot whether or not we talked about this last week, by the way. But um, I purchased a fan for my window, and it spins both directions. So it's a complete game changer. Like, I oh, can pump man. out... I can I can pump out the air from my room during the day and then once it gets chilly outside like we've had a lot of really nice evenings yeah yeah uh, of course summertime evenings in the south bay and like once it gets you know like 75 degrees and and cooler I can start pumping the air from outside into my room oh that's great so typically on a 90 degree day like it was today it would still be 90 degrees in my room but you know what it's a uh it's like 74 right now and, next, uh, and it's great next level heat beating by you i <laughs> yeah. love this yeah pushing, all it was all it took was a simple purchase out. of a fan that spun both directions <laughs> uh i do the same thing but my fan only spins one direction and i just turn it around based on mm. what time of day <laughs> uh yeah, costco shout out costco lifesaver costco big costco uh costco sponsor the pod Costco I had State. totally forgotten I te- texted you saying I had conquered the heat. Well, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you remembered because um, if anybody out there needs to learn how to beat the heat, which is our continuing bit since we started this pod, uh, <laughs> you now have a, a, good, a good method to do so. So let's get into the news in June, which feels weird. Debo Samuel on Thursday had surgery to repair a Jones fracture in his foot. That is uh, the same injury that kept Trent Taylor out for all of last season. He for, for Taylor, he had some complications with surgery and wound up having five surgeries, which is why he missed the year. Samuel says that he'll be back in 10 weeks. Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Media is reporting it's 12 to 16 weeks. 10 weeks would get Samuel back before the start of the year. 12 to 16 is when you start getting into him missing some games. So we have more to get to here, but let's start with Debo Samuel because that's kind of the the biggest news. Uh, Chris, do you think that the Niners are going to be dealing with a situation where they don't have Debo Samuel on the field week one? I think it's very possible. I would put it at about 50-50 right now just because you do the research and, and you look at past Jones Jones fracture injuries um they're they're a tough proposition because it's one of those things where you could do all the rehab well and do everything you need to do correctly to get back on the field and then you take a false step or something and it happens again and and then you're looking at maybe another surgery or maybe another uh prolonged absence for for it to heal so um I understand Samuel being optimistic and saying uh, 10 weeks, which would put him in line, you know, to be fully healthy and cleared for practice two weeks before the start of the regular season, 12 weeks from the injury would have been, would be in time for week one, September 13th. Um, but I, I think if you're the 49ers and you're looking at it, obviously you want to have your presumed number one receiver on the field, but it's also more important to have Samuel available for the entire season. So if that means missing two weeks, um, you know, if, if, and it, and you get 14 games from Debo Samuel instead of bringing him back and then only getting, you know, two or three because he came back too soon. Um, I mean, you, you just want to exercise caution because it's a tricky injury. It's not one of those things that you can rehab and, and just be fine about. It's sort of similar to a back injury in that it can come up back. It could come up at any time. 
Um, and he's, I think he's going to have hardware in his foot. And that was the issue Trent Taylor had. He had hardware in his foot. Um, it didn't work. He got, inf- it got infected. Uh, so we don't know that there are any complications with that, uh, just yet. Debo Samuel went to, um, I forget the doctor's name. I should know this, but, um, he's like the renowned foot doctor. He's in green Bay. Uh, and he, you know, Samuel said on social media that, um, that surgery went perfect. I do want to caution people because in this business, one thing I've learned, um, covering sports is that often in football in particular, like the least, uh, like the worst source to talk to about an injury is the player himself. Um, because they'll always be optimistic. They feel great all always... the time. <laughs> yeah, they feel great all the time. Like it happened to me a bunch of times where I would ask an injured player how he's feeling, what his prognosis is. Um, and I would, and it just wouldn't be accurate because right. there are complications or the, the medical staff just had a different opinion. Um, so yeah, it's great. I mean, in an ideal world, Debo Samuel will only be out 10 weeks, and that's certainly a possibility. Um, but I also think it's a coin flip right now that that's true. And uh, I would say it's probably a coin flip that he'll be ready in time for week one, September 13th. Yeah, especially when you factor in. So he's a wide receiver dealing with a foot injury, which is is difficult to come back from. Uh, and... and the Jones fracture is a repetitive motion type of injury from what I understand. I'm not a doctor disclaimer, but which is surprising to some people I know, but so the second bit of news that came the day after news of Samuel's injury came out was that Richie James while training down in Florida broke his right wrist and is expected to be out at least two months. So within two days, this Niners receiving core that already had all sorts of question marks around it uh, has two of two, Two players who uh, were at least probably expected to make the roster, uh, certainly Samuel and probably James, but you have two players uh, out for whatever version of training camp we're going to get. What does that mean to you, Chris, for the depth chart? Let's let's start with players internally, and we'll we'll talk about external candidates if they're going to bring anybody in here coming up, but internally... Who who are you looking at to either step up or benefit the most from this? I think there are three guys, and none of them were particularly productive last year. Two of them didn't even play. Uh, the first is Dante Pettis, the 2018 second-round pick, who really was a zero last year after showing promise as a rookie. Um, he did catch three touchdowns, I believe, but uh, just kind of a nothing season for him and his lack of production and, and falling in, into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse is what led to them ultimately trading for Emmanuel Sanders. So um, Pettis is the first guy I, I'd look at. Um, if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity and assert himself in his third season as somebody who deserves to be in the starting lineup, um, because he's certainly the most talented guy, not named Brandon Ayuk, I guess, with experience, uh, in the league uh, available to them right now. So the first guy is Dante Pettis. If he doesn't step up and and sort of step into that starting role, if neither if these guys have to miss regular season time, then you start to wonder if Pettis will stick around at all. If he'll make even make the team during final cuts because it there is like... that good of there is that good of an opportunity for him. Yeah. And then the other like two it... guys are are Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd. Yeah, I want to I stick on Pettis for, for two seconds here. 
it feels like if Pettis isn't stepping up and eating into a majority of the snaps that are that are left on the field with Sam, with with Samuel out, it feels like he's probably not on the team. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of where where I'm at with with Pettis just because of what we saw from him last year. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. And then Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd, like we talked about Taylor. Yeah. He didn't play last year, had all the issues with the foot, um, is healthy now, working out with the guys. And we'll talk about those workouts in a sec because there is big news about that, too. Yeah. Um, and then Jalen Hurd is really somebody that has a ton of upside and is presumably healthy now coming off last year where he missed the entire season with his back injury. Uh, it was a stress fracture in his lower back. Um, so... You know, there are guys, there are bodies who are able to yeah. step in. There just isn't a lot of experience there. And I what? think in experience matters most, aside from quarterback, experience matters most out of any other position. So you're asking, really, Pettis is the most experienced guy. Um, Trent Taylor has a lot of experience, but he hasn't played in a while. Um, same with Jalen Hurd, although he's only been playing receiver. I think this is this will be his third season, really. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, Jawan Jennings will have an opportunity. Um, you know, maybe some of the other guys, but I, those are those are the dudes that I'm really looking at uh, as possibilities to step in here if they have to. And and they might not even have to because maybe Samuel and James are both back and it's not really a big deal. What this injury does is it just amplifies kind of what we already knew about the Niners receiving core. We knew that they had bodies where if each guy gets to their ceiling they have a really deep really well-rounded receiving core but we don't have a ton of evidence that says we can confidently rely on any of these guys to step up for the 49ers so this now if Samuel's going to miss time they have those same questions with those same players but the role that those players need to step into is larger so it just kind of uh, exacerbates the issue a little bit, but I, yeah. I, so I, I I don't imagine. And here's here's the here's the thing with Samuel. They made Kyle Shanahan a top five paid head coach in the NFL because how good he is uh, at scheming up an offense. And if Debo Samuel is out for one or two games, I think the 49ers can survive. Yeah, I think they can too. And a guy we haven't really mentioned yet is Brandon Ayuk. Right. And I think for me, I'm I'm not counting on him to be a starter right away this season just because it would be hard enough for him to do that under normal circumstances with normal offseason. Right. I right. think it's going to be extremely difficult for a rookie receiver in Kyle Shanahan's system to come in and play, you know, 60-70% of the snaps like a starting receiver normally would. Um, so I, I'm definitely giving the nod to Pettis there because Kyle Shanahan talks about Pettis's ability, his knowledge of all three receiver spots, right? Like Ayuk isn't going to have that same knowledge. Um, Taylor is going to know the slot position, like the back of his hand, um, because this is his fourth season in it. And I don't know what to expect from Jalen Hurd, but if he's healthy, um, I would imagine he would get a ton of playing time and, and then, if those guys are healthy and able to contribute, then you could sprinkle Ayuk in in a role where you could sort of, you know, keep his workload. I don't want to say limited, but uh, maybe abbreviated. And then um, and then that would allow you to uh, 
to maximize sort of his production, given that you might be thin at the receiving core because of injuries. So what the Niners did to kind of make up for a lack of of an offseason program, an in-person offseason program, was Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten together with uh, a bunch of the receivers, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle. They started at San Jose State, uh, and then they they moved their 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 camp Jimmy to to Nashville, and there a player who remains nameless tested positive for COVID nineteen. So the workouts were shut down. The players are now quarantining and staying hunkered down, or I should say isolating and staying hunkered down while they, they await their tests or their test results. Uh, this is now 10 teams with, with a known COVID case. So what, what does this mean uh, that, that, the 49ers had a player test positive in the middle of June. Well, it's not entirely surprising that cases are popping up around the league and that, um, you know, the four, a 49ers player would get it. Um, it's believed that that player resides in the Bay area. Uh, so it wasn't, I, uh, Kittle Taylor or CJ Bethard who live in Nashville and, and, um, went to those workouts. Uh, here's the full list. And um, I don't know who got it. I'm not going to disclose who got it unless that person feels okay saying it. If I, if anyone did admit to it, I don't know if we're, if we're going to get there, but um, so it was Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard, Brock Rutter, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon, Ike, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Juwan Jennings, Jalen Hurd, Sean Poindexter, and Chris Finke, um, George Kittle, Charlie Warner, Kyle Juszczyk. Um, Meanwhile, Kendrick Bourne, like we didn't mention him in the Samuel conversation. I think you and I both just assume he's going to be a starter. So, right. Like we don't, yeah. we don't need to talk to about him possibly. Okay. Um, anyway, lower your expectations. Sorry, I'm joking. Carry on. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Um, with, with the COVID thing, I mean, it's really kind of alarming. Not that a 49er player got it. To me, the more alarming thing is the fact that cases are still increasing uh, throughout the country. And, um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want this to be political, but the fact is, is that the federal government has taken its cues from the president who has basically denounced masks, who thinks there should be less testing, um, because the numbers would shrink. Um, and I think a reasonable person would argue it's not really about what the numbers say. It's about stopping the spread of the disease and testing as many people as possible is, is an important factor in, in solving that. Correct. Um, so the, the most problematic thing for me is just the fact that there isn't a whole lot being done in the States where this stuff is still spreading. Um, and I don't think there are enough people taking the, the idea of wearing masks seriously enough. Um, I even went out to San Francisco over the weekend with a mask and there were like probably 60% of the people out and about hiking around where I was, uh, they weren't wearing masks. So it's not just, you know, it's an issue everywhere. Um, but you know, the experts say that you're, I guess, 98%, uh, better off in terms of spreading the virus, wearing a mask. So like, you know, the countries that have seen the numbers, 
go down in COVID cases have all been wearing masks. Um, and for whatever reason, there's a, a large number of people in this country are deciding not to wear masks. So to me, that's a more alarming thing because it's it's really, really tough to look at the NFL trying to put together a season where you're going to have 90 players practicing, um, probably something like 120, 130 people on a football field at once and not have it spread while cases in whatever area we're in, whether it's Santa Clara or Dallas or Florida or New York or wherever, um, it's it's hard to be optimistic about a football season happening when there is very there's very little reason to to be optimistic that cases are going down elsewhere. Um, so we're just you know we're about five or six weeks out from the start of training camp, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen from a national perspective. And by the time training camp starts, is are the cases going to be up? or the number of cases going to be down by then. I think if the cases are at the same level now where we're getting, um, you know, the same amount of new cases every day and maybe even more in some places like, you know, Florida and Arizona, um, it's hard to see a large group of football players coming together, not being able to socially distance themselves, probably not playing. They're not going to be playing football in masks. So it is alarming in that, I don't know how football can go on if there isn't any reason to believe that the the overall number of cases is declining. Yeah, and I think for me, I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not a scientist. I'm just going off the last three or four months of what we've what we've seen. And it wouldn't surprise me if the NFL does not start on time and I think if training camp is getting pushed back I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna give a week of training camp and then just jumping into the season so I I would I'm not ruling it out by any means but I would be a little bit surprised if the Niners are playing football on the 13th of September just when right. you, when you and look at when when you just look at how everything's kind of shaking out right and I think the general consensus is when when the league issued the decree that all teams or all, all teams under normal circumstances or normal scheduling would start uh, July 28th. That was under the assumption that numbers would get better. The COVID numbers would presumably go down because we would be, you know, another two months into this thing and we would have a better handle on it. Well, we don't at the moment. So it's difficult to to project out and say, yeah, I feel confident there's going to be football and cases are going down uh, because people have been very eager to reopen things and, and get back to life as, as we knew it before COVID. Um, but the numbers of cases have continued to rise. And so it's hard to really have confidence um, that things are going to start on time unless something drastic happens. And maybe it does. But um, just given what we know and, and what we've seen from the last few weeks as places have reopened throughout the country, um, like you said, it's it's hard. It's hard to 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 look at things and say, yeah, I'm really confident that this is going to happen on time. One of the one of the big things for me was the NFL Players Association coming out 
and basically saying, hey, no more of those private in-person workouts. They didn't outlaw them or say there will be punishment for them, but they're trying to get a handle on things so the league can start on time. And that makes sense because players and and uh, whatever coaches are there, not team coaches, but, you know, personal trainers or position coaches or whatever it is, uh, aren't practicing social distancing. Like they're huddling up and working together as a team and uh, using the same football and not wearing mat. Like they're doing all these things that, that all these health organizations say, say specifically not to do while, while trying to contain the spread of a disease. And that's why we keep seeing college teams and NFL teams have, have players get infected baseball teams. You, yeah. you, you name it. Something that yeah. just I, I kind of want to get just off my chest here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Rappaport today on NFL Network was reporting that Tom Brady is eschewing the NFLPA's suggestion, ad- advisement, recommendation, and continuing to hold his practices. And Rappaport basically justified it by saying, like, this is Tom Brady. He needs every possible second. Like, yeah, every player does. Like, that's not exclusive to Tom Brady, that he needs preparation and practice. Get the hell out of here with that. Like, call it what it is. Like, he's defying the Players Association uh, for a competitive advantage and not taking health into account. Like, come on. Call it like it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think... um, It's cute because it's Tom Brady. Right. It's... It's tough. It's it's really it's impossible to know. Like my my colleagues, my other writers and I have talked about it a lot. We don't know what it's going to look like for us from a media perspective, whether or not we're going to be if they have games, if, you know, we're even going to be allowed in the building or if, you know, we're going to watch on TV with everybody else and then do Zoom press conferences after the fact. Um, Or if there's going to be like a couple pool reporters that are allowed to go to the game and then we all rotate and then we, you know, share information that way um it's tough like we it it's impossible to know and and i guess the discouraging thing aside from the fact that a 49ers player tested positive and there's probably going to be more at some point coming out before the start of training camp um the discouraging thing like i've said a few times is is just that cases are still rising across the country and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot being done by the powers that be to to slow it down and hopefully that changes, but it doesn't it doesn't hopefully. look like it's going to. One last quick note before we hit the break. Trent Williams uh, signed his adjusted deal uh, with the 49ers. He's still going to be a free agent after this season, but he can't be franchise tagged. I, I just saw that. I didn't read super far into it. Can you explain why? Well, players don't like being franchise tagged. Players want long-term security. Um, so some things, some, some avenues they go towards getting that is having a clause in a contract that takes away the franchise tag. So, um, if the 49ers could have tagged Williams, that would have been a nice thing to have because it probably would have been significantly cheaper than what he'll, what he'll demand on the open market. Um, and it ins- and Williams doesn't have any say in it if there's no clause in the contract. But because there is a clause in the contract, now you're looking at a scenario where Williams either comes back on a lucrative long-term deal or maybe even a lu- lucrative short-term deal. Um, 
so the thing the thing with this is the 49ers it's like Alex Boone had the same thing happen and obviously Trent Williams is a much better player than Alex Boone but um in essence it takes away some of the 49ers leverage gives Williams back the leverage and I think in return there's it's it's sort of a good faith deal like Williams will um you know he wants to stick around he wants to get a long-term deal done with the 49ers at some point and this is a sign for the 49ers sort of a concession that hey we want you here too and and we want you so much that um you know we're going to negotiate in good faith not franchise tag you and put this clause in your contract so uh it remains to be seen if Williams will be around beyond 2020 um the 49ers cap situation in 2021 is a giant question mark we don't know what that's going to look like and uh and we'll talk about that after the break uh because we're going to talk about the idea of jamal adams and um, there's obviously cap implications in that too so let's take a quick break There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. Uh, Jamal Adams has been in the news recently for requesting a trade and then the Niners became connected to that news when Adam Schefter reported shortly after news broke that Jamal Adams had requested a trade Adam Schefter reported that the 49ers were one of seven teams that Adams would would like to be traded to so the argument for the 49ers putting together a trade package to acquire Jamal Adams. The popular take is Jaquaski Tart, who's in the final year of his contract, and a first-round pick for Adams. I'm not sure that'll get it done, but we're going to go to a world where it does. The case for acquiring Adams, who's going into the fourth year of his rookie deal, he's eligible for a massive extension that'll very likely make him the highest-paid safety in the league, The argument for it is that you don't know how big your window is in the NFL. Even if the 49ers are trying to extend their championship window, you never know when a retirement or a catastrophic injury or whatever it is happens. And so you want to have as many good players as possible at all times to just try and take advantage of to maximize. It's maybe a smaller window, but you're maximizing it by acquiring a player like Adams. So the 49ers would, in theory trade a first round pick they'd get Jamal Adams and they would have Adams under contract for two years and then you kind of figure out the money later and and in those two years in theory the the 49ers would be would be Super Bowl favorites with with one of the best two or three deep defenses in the league for unless, both of those years unless he decides to hold out for a new contract which we don't right. know for a fact that he would not do Right. So, uh, I, I, I think that I don't, 
necessarily agree with that take for for several reasons but i'll let you kind of present because you and i are on the same wavelength there so i'll let you kind of present why this deal is is likely not gonna materialize well so one thing that should be pointed out too in the case for the niners trading for adams he is six and a half sacks last year i didn't realize that until i just looked up his pro football reference page um six and a half sacks for a safety is a lot uh so that that is a whole other you know dynamic he could add to the defense um the case for not not trading for Adams basically falls in line with what the 49ers showed their philosophy to be earlier this offseason, right? Like their right, big, exactly. most significant move was trading away DeForest Buckner, one of their best defensive players, because they couldn't afford to pay him on his next contract, which wound up being four years and $84 million, $21 million annually on average with the Colts. That's a ton of money. I think Jamal Adams wants to get a deal um, at the top of the market, obviously, and I think if it's up to him, according to whatever you read on the internet, it's going to be something like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen million dollars a year. So it would, you know, barring first of all, we don't know what the financial realities of the league are going to be um, in twenty twenty one because we have no idea what the upcoming season is going to look like from a financial perspective and how that impacts the salary cap going forward. Right. So it's, it's pretty clear to me that the 49ers would have a really hard time paying Jamal Adams while facing the potential free agency for Trent Williams and the potential free agency for George Kittle. Like to me, that's just a complete non-starter on top of the potential of losing Richard Sherman, having to replace one or two starting cornerbacks because Sherman, Akella Witherspoon, and Emmanuel Mosley, uh, and Kwan Williams, your really good slot corner, by the way, are all free agents after the coming season. So you, if you pay Jamal Adams and give up a first-round pick, you're you're hindering yourself from a cap perspective and a resource perspective in terms of filling other roles that you would be looking at needing to replace because you brought in Jamal Adams and are paying him. Right. So if you can bring him in and not pay him and then flip him down the road, I I guess that is a much more palatable scenario to make it happen. Um, But overall the Niners traded Buckner because they couldn't afford to pay him. So they're, so getting Adams is the exact opposite kind of transaction. And it doesn't make any sense to make, two massive organizational decisions that are completely competing philosophies that are opposite philosophies. So to move off of Buckner because you didn't want to pay him to get a draft pick indicates you want to build for the long term. Um, that to me indicates the 49ers are not going to be in the market for giving away a package, including potentially at least one first round pick, maybe two first round picks, maybe a first and a second or whatever. Um, it's going to take a lot to get Jamal Adams away from the Jets, who we also don't know if they even want to trade him, right? They they have publicly said they don't want to. Right. So all that being said, we're talking about a position that isn't premium. It's not cornerback. It's not left tackle. It's not wide receiver. It's not quarterback. Right. It's safety. Where you can, where you can pay somebody like Jaquaski Tart who isn't as good as Adams, but was good enough to, you know, is a is a quality safety when he's on the field. The issue is he's missed 
roughly half of his games over the last three years because of injuries. Um, or you could just draft somebody in the second or third round. I know I wrote a lot about Xavier McKinney. I thought he would have been a great pick for the 49ers if if they didn't address their more pressing needs, which were at defensive tackle and receiver with Brandon Ayuk in the first round of the recent draft. Right. Um, but to me, it just doesn't make any philosophical sense coming on the heels of the Buckner deal. That's what it comes down to. Like the 49ers made it very clear. They want to build this thing sustainably for the long run and moving the draft picks it would take to acquire, acquire Adams, eventually paying him would fly in the face of that. And you just look at their looming free agents. I mean, I mentioned, you know, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Richard Sherman, Kwan Williams, Akella Witherspoon, Emmanuel Mosley. Um, you got Kyle Juszczyk. Like, you know, the Niners are projected at $49 million in cap space. If 2021 is not affected by the upcoming season and the COVID pandemic and the, the fact that revenues could be down significantly, right? So there's a chance the 49ers have no cap space before signing any of these guys because the league revenue's down because nobody's in the seats. Um, so anyway, that's that. I just don't... The case is Adam's a good player. It is a good player. He would fit, obviously, what the 49ers want to do. The defense would be elite. Um, but for the purpose of the way they're building the team, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. Like, it's it's fun to think about if from like a fantasy perspective, I don't mean fantasy football, but like fantasizing about it because it's like, it's like putting together an all-star team. It's like in Madden when you just do a fantasy draft and you have all the good players. Uh, I, I, I get why people try and talk themselves into it, but the fact of the matter is, is in reality, there there are so many more things happening, so many more moving parts than just good players available. Acquire them, right? And for for all the for all the reasons you just laid out, it's just not. I just don't see it, and and the only brain power I'm spending on it is situations like this where I'm trying to explain why it's not it's not a thing. The only reason it's a thing is because Adam Schefter said the Niners are one of the seven teams that Jamal Adams would like to play for. But, uh, wow, check it out. Jamal Adams wants to play for a contender. Yeah, he wants to play for <laughs> the, the best pass defense since 2009 that just appeared in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and, and this uh, isn't a situation where he's just going to come available for a fifth-round pick. Right. It, it, there's going to be a huge market for him. Right. Totally agree. And going back to the Trent Williams discussion a little bit, too, the fact that he cannot be franchise tagged leaves the real possibility that you're going to be looking for a left tackle next year. Yep. Right. So yeah. if you trade for Adams and pay him one, you're not going to be able to use that first round pick uh, because you gave it away on a left tackle like that. That takes away a very significant option that the 49ers would probably need. Yep. Um, if Williams walks on the other hand, if, I mean, Williams is going to take. Williams is probably going to require a contract if he plays like you and I think he's going to play. It at at the top of the tackle market, which is like eighteen to twenty two million dollars a year. Yeah, which is insane money, right? On top of what you would need to pay George Kittle, on top of the looming extension you need to give Fred Warner, and on top of having to fill out a secondary that could lose Richard Sherman, and basically all three of your starting corners, whatever combination they are. The four, the 49ers, four starting corners, their top four corners are all free agents going into the offseason. Yeah. Next offseason. So it's, I just don't, 
they could do it. They could do it and make it work without paying him. Right. But then... For one year, probably. Yeah, one or two. I mean, if he's willing to pay... If he's willing to play on his fifth-year option without a deal, then that's really enticing because then you can pay him at a reasonable rate. Uh, I think it's $9 million in 2021. And then let him walk in free agency and get a third-round comp pick. That would be justifiable to me because you're not giving him that massive contract. All indications are that Matt that that Adams is not going to play on the fifth year option without the long, the security of a long term deal. Right. So if you, you know, if you bring in Adams, you don't pay him. It makes sense. If you bring in Adams and pay him, then it that, probably that means you're letting George a, Kittle go. Yeah, then you're probably looking at not being able to bring back George, somebody like George Kittle and or Trent Williams or sign Fred Warner to the extension that he's probably going to demand. Just doesn't so, make a lot of sense, man. No, no. And like, you know, you and I, I think, have been pretty good on these kind of conversations, whether it's, you know, should they trade for Odell Beckham Jr. or, um, you know, whatever, Antonio Brown, like, I think you and I have been on the right side of a lot of these discussions. And I think Jamal we're on the Adams, right side of the Jimmy Ward discussion, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the uh, the property values on Jimmy Ward are continuing to climb. Jimmy Ward Island are continuing to climb. Um, so, yeah, I just it just doesn't make sense. He's a great player between the lines. It would be an incredible fit. Uh, watching him play behind that D line would be incredible. You mentioned the six and a half sacks. I didn't even realize that. Um, but yeah, his yeah. pass rushing grades from PFF are off the charts. Off the charts. It's wild, dude. He's, yeah. he's, he's, yeah, no, he's remarkable. He's not going to play for the 49ers. That's it. Yeah, I agree. And if he does, I will. Tart. Maybe I that'll, maybe that'll be something Jamal Adams like. But, uh, you know, I mean, if Shaquaski Tart is 70% of Jamal Adams, first he's got to be healthy. That's, that's the biggest thing with Tart. But he's probably like 70, 80% of the player Jamal Adams is. Right. And that's, dude, and that's just the thing is like, it's not like you're looking at the 49ers and going, man, they have a huge, they're a safety away from winning the Super Bowl. No, man, they're just, they're, they're fine. They don't need to, they don't need to turn themselves into the Rams and, and blow up their team for a safety. Yeah. I, if, if I were running the team, I would do what I could to, pay Trent Williams, pay George Kittle. Yes. And then if Richard Sherman won't come on a won't come back on a deal that fits the long-term parameters of what the 49ers need, then you let him go. You have all of your draft picks next year with the exception of the third rounder you traded up to get Williams. And then you just need to find your cornerbacks yep. through the draft. You're and potentially a safety if you decide not to pay Tart. And right. if you, so you and basic, it, right, and if you trade for Adams, you're in a situation where you're either trying to sign really cheap veterans or undrafted free agents, and seeing if you can make it work. Right, and if you don't have that first round <laughs> pick and you got a bunch of needs, that prevents you from trading down. Like you could turn right. that first round pick into four picks. It's there's so many there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah. So I just I don't have anything else to add. If I were the 49ers, keep all the draft picks, pay who you can pay. Trade down from your first round pick next year. Try to get as many second and thirds as you possibly can. If you need to fill, a, find a safety with one of those picks, do that. Get them on a rookie deal. What much cheaper, younger, um, and you'll just have to rebuild your secondary that way. But the good thing for them 
is they have arguably or maybe undoubtedly at this point the best defensive line in football which will make the job the lives a lot easier for everybody in the secondary and you still have jimmy ward back there who's under contract so he's at least the veteran sort of holding things down for everything else so the 49ers front office is listening to this and they're going to heed all of our words john lynch is a big fan of the pod Huge fan of Candlestick Chronicles. I actually don't know that for a fact. He's probably, I, he's probably not listening to this. I doubt that very seriously. <laughs> I think there's more of a chance the 49ers trade for Jamal Adams than there is that John Lynch listens to this podcast. Ouch. Yeah, no, I think no, I don't think that's bad. I'm going to ask him. We just, I mean, we got to get guests on the pod. We should get John on the pod. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right. All right. All right. This is I fun. Think that's it. All right. Right. Candlestick Chronicles. Subscribe, rate, review. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya.